Hello and welcome to a brand new season of Something Rotten. It's 2024! We're in a whole new year of this and we're playing a game from 1998. It is Metal Gear Solid 1, the first in our uh, two-part Metal Gear series. Who knows? We're doing Metal Gear Solid 1 and Metal Gear Solid 2 to start with. My name is Jacob Geller. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Blake Hester. Jacob. Hello, Blake. I'm being radicalized by Hideo Kojima. Yeah, in a good way? I have a question, a concept I'd mm -hmm. like to run by you. War, what is it good for? What do you think about that? Uh, stealth missions? Well, well, we'll get into that. Gamers? We'll get into that. And that other voice that you just heard, uh, we are very pleased to have as a guest on this first episode of our Metal Gear series, uh, Super Bunny Hop, a.k.a. George Weedman from YouTube, who's done video essays forever, who's now doing an audiobook of the Iliad, uh, and has done a lot of work on the Metal Gear series. George, thank you for coming on. What's up, gamers? I, uh... Also want to just point out the very radicalizing link that exists between getting into Metal Gear Solid and uh, uh, Homer and other ancient Greek epics. Oh, excuse me one moment. Yeah, yeah, if we uh, want to talk about um, bisexual tension blooming on a magical I... battlefield, I, uh, I, I, I can't believe how much uh, parallels there are. The Iliad is totally a story where the soldiers in the middle of a battle take a break for a codec <laughs> call that goes on for 20 minutes about the meaning of life. It's... It's funny how, how one of those things led to another, but it makes total sense in retrospect. Kojima, you know, a consumer of all great stories from uh, every one of George Miller's movies to the Iliad to uh, his own work that he references constantly. Today is an interesting day, I think, to be embarking upon our Metal Gear journey, because Jacob, this is not a news show. It's not even particularly a topical show. But as I woke up this morning, 30 minutes before I had to record, it was announced Kojima and A24 are making a Death Stranding movie, which I would say the narrative of Death Stranding, not the most interesting <laughs> part of that game. It was the mechanics, which if you know how movies work, they're not interactive. But nevertheless, by God. He's making a movie. I could see it. That's also absolutely hilarious because uh, at the rate things are going, that that one might actually come out faster than the actual yeah. Metal Gear Solid movie that was announced like eight years ago. Yeah, there's actually a studio attached to it, which is more than the MGS movie has had in the last decade of us talking about it. But I love the, the Metal Gear Solid movie, the Bioshock movie, the Shadow of the Colossus movie. They all exist in a locked vault and no one will ever get to see <laughs> I'm not letting myself die until the crazy taxi That's movie right. comes out, super monkey ball movie comes out. When we're done with this wave of like small children's toy movies that, that Barbie's <laughs> beginning, you know, there's going to be a Play-Doh movie soon. The Monopoly movie will be a little more interesting. The Polly Pocket movie. Maybe then we will finally have Hollywood scrape such depths of the crusty rotten barrel that they will finally have give us a, the, the, the much needed wave of gamer movies. We've all been waiting for our entire 30 year long lives. Right? I've maintained that best video game 
film adaptations are the ones that get weird with it, which is why Paul W.S. Anderson's Resident Evil series is the apex of the video games. Yeah, film. I could see that. That's a that's a respectable film scholar opinion I have heard shared by by many uh, genius academics. Thank as well. you. And I do consider myself a genius academic, having dropped out of Jefferson Community and Technical College. <laughs> but I think if Kojima does something weird, he's not just like, uh, here's the game, but a movie. It could be cool. I'm into it. If it's just like, here's the game, but it's a movie. That's like, I already played the game, but it was mostly a movie because that is a lot of cutscenes in that fucking game. And, 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 and of course, of course, it's an A24 movie. Right, 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 right. Oh, uh, I'm, I'm happy to hear that. That makes a lot more sense than the, uh, the production studio limbo that the Metal Gear Solid movie got caught in. It seems up his jam, you know, if if we like slow shots of sometimes cringy dialogue that thinks it's a much bigger brained scholarly masterpiece than it really is. That seems like a good fit for him. Yes. Yes. Hey, speaking of a game written that seems it's like it's smarter than it actually is we should maybe talk about it. we're talking about metal gear solid baby can i, can I read y'all a, a quote to start with yeah oh i hope you have plenty of them <laughs> i hope you have a book over there i i have the kojima book and it's so fucking bad we'll probably come back oh, the to creative this, gene? The, the creative gene or yeah i i feel like i i i was lied to about the product it turns out that it's like a collection of Rolling Stones articles that he already wrote with some commentary yeah, from him not on even, his own writing. They, they're not Rolling Stone articles with like interviews. He's just like, and this movie, I really liked it. I liked the way that it was a movie. No, okay, next essay. Jacob, when I was at Rolling Stone, Kojima was one of our columnists. Do you remember this? No. Yeah. Yes. Chris, yeah. Brian Crescente, who took over Glixel after the like first round of it went down. He somehow finagled, I think it was Crescente, maybe it was the people before. Anyway, someone at Rolling Stone finagled giving Kojima a column that he would run monthly, and that was when I was doing, like, freelance news for him over there. And it was me and Kojima, we were coworkers. You were right there with him. Um, Yeah, he was doing movie reviews and movie writings during the limbo between MGSV and uh, Death Stranding. And, And one important thing to consider... All uh, uh, cultural considerations should should get thrown into your, your brain for this one. He's not a native English speaker. Kojima's English has never been great. Kojima's written English has been infamously not great. There is a huge team of people who try to hold this stuff together who deserve a lot more credit. And uh, when so when you're reading the Kojima book, you gotta... You, you gotta keep yeah. the translation thing in mind on top of some of the other more fair uh, uh, critical assessments that can be thrown his way. We will certainly be talking about that more. Um, here's the quote. A film-like or cinematic game is a concept I've been talking about since the 2D Metal Gear days. Incorporating the essence of movies in the game with no incongruity is what Metal Gear Solid is all about. Mm-hmm. That's our launching okay. point. No incongruity, everyone. I that doesn't sound as offensive to me as what I was preparing for. Yeah, no. You know when cuz <laughs> when when someone reaches into a bag of Hideo Kojima quotes, there's at least a 30% chance they're just going to pull out a piece of bullshit. Yeah, and that one didn't seem quite as bullshit. No, I actually I I did not read that to be like here's here's how crazy this guy is. Um it is just I think it's an interesting place to start. Um but I do I do want to talk about so 
Blake and I have been upfront about the fact that this is the first time that we're playing these games. Uh, I, for one, have pretended that I have played Metal Gear Solid in casual conversations with people because I've just been like, yeah, I know what they're about. Fuck I, I know. Mm-hmm. I know. I'm, I'm ashamed and, of it. And... As as I heard you guys uh, telling me during the, the 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 prep back and forth before we officially hit the record button, how far did we make it through this, guys? Uh, we broke out of prison. Yeah, that the halfway point. So, how long to beat dot com, the official authoritative source on all things about how long video games take, is uh, telling us that this is eleven and a half hours. God damn it. I swear, even as a kid, I remember going it faster. In the messages we were exchanging, I was telling you about how what a fast-paced, quick, knock-it-out-in-a-weekend adventure this game is. Come on, guys. I disagree. I disagree about it being fast-paced. <laughs> I I was re-watching videos last night to prepare, and I couldn't believe how hard I was laughing at how much stuff the game throws at you so fast, so quickly, in that first act, and... And you didn't, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't. I feel like, look, I feel like we have a ton to talk about for for this section. Uh, but also, this took me, we'll see if that how long to beat is accurate. Because I, I don't know if the in-game clock is counting all of my deaths and restarts. But like, boy, there are sections in this game that feel like they should be 45 seconds long that end up being like... 30 minutes for me was it boss fights boss fights just the general stealth i think i'm just not good at stealth games even though i've played the later metal gears but this is like i the controls and the kind of like the unforgivingness of some of the alert stuff has really tripped me up several times and jacob you you are playing on easy right i'm playing on easy same i wish the audience could hear my eyes pop out just now. George's eyes are doing the... Uh, he's, he's like a cartoon character when he saw a sexy you animal. You can hear the exclamation... It totally exclamation pointed. I'm exclamation pointing over I here. I don't feel like this game is easy. Uneasy. So I can't imagine what hard would be like, but like I'm struggling through it right now. Especially the boss fights. Like we could, We'll get into it. Sniper Wolf maybe the worst boss fight in oh, video yeah. game history oh come I'm, on I, man what a bunch of malarkey worst worst in metal gear solid sure but like you're 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 talking about all of the rushed yep. go- cinematic game based on movie garbage yep. they were putting out up until fairly recently includes all those boss fights and sniper wolf has the super cool story scenes that play before and after the actual dog shit boss fight and and you got i i know the controls are really bad you have to aim with the d-pad for for a point and click sniper battle yep. and you also have to put yourself in the line of fire you can't really flank her I I know what you're talking about, but 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 we we can try to not be such uh uh, uh animated overreacting gamers for nope, a second, the, can't we? Worst in video game history. George, the, uh, the thing you need to understand about Blake is that Blake has a special ending for any video game he's playing that's not for this show, which yeah. is he gets to a point of frustration and just says that's the Blake ending and yeah. then stops playing. Here's the thing, look. When you've had cancer twice in your life, you don't waste your time anymore. 
and I give I give games the Blake ending when I know it's a waste of my life to you, play. You them. say that, and then you started a podcast with me, the arguably the biggest waste of time. Hey, you know we're making people's lives demonstrably better out there on their commutes to work. I I I just find that this grinds against a legacy that Metal Gear Solid One, in particular, compared to its sequels, is known for for pacing. It is known for pacing. It's regarded as pacing. People have played this game again and again for 10, 20, eventually it'll hit 30 years, and they'll constantly say, wow, it's aged so gracefully, it paces so well. Well, and here's the thing. I agree with that. Like, I think I think that the section of this game that we played is is truly a, you know, it is a roller coaster of, like, different set pieces and different cool things that you're doing in boss fights and whatever. That is all true. It's just that, like, it, it, it's like I feel like I'm the actor that doesn't know my lines. You know, that, like, they're not asking me to do long, extended, difficult things. I just can't perform them because my coddled 2023 brain is not able to, like, get on board with the PS1 controls. Also, it's a really simple game. It's, like, deconstructed <laughs> into Pac-Man in the corner of your screen. The Soliton radar breaks it down into two dimensions of, of whether or not you walk into the danger zones, and that's all you gotta worry about, really. But I do kind of know what you're talking about. Welcome welcome to Something Rotten, where George roasts us mercilessly. Um, what I was going to ask is, uh, Blake and I are we're playing this game for the first time. Uh, wh- what was your first encounter with metal gear and like how how old were you had you played had you played the metal gear games before metal gear solid were you just kind of thrown in you know to solid one did you start with two how did this happen i i actually did start with two i rented it for a weekend for the brand spanking new playstation 2 when the game was still a uh overhyped gamer economy <laughs> when the when Metal Gear Solid 2 was still an over overhyped uh, economic stimulus program in and of itself, um, I remember shooting the the glass on on the the opening intro level and seeing how every individual uh, cup in the the cupboard of glasses you were shooting would would react as a physics object and having my mind blown. I knew nothing what was going on in the story whatsoever at the time. I wouldn't have known anyway. I was like what eleven or twelve, one of those awful years. I didn't know what was going on and didn't really fully get the appeal until playing the PC version of Metal Gear Solid, which is another thing that almost got forgotten to uh, time, but was recently revived through some uh, decent um, GOG re-releases, and then the latest uh, Legacy Master Collection brought it back to PC again for the second time. There's technically two versions of it on PC now. Yeah, I first played Metal Gear Solid 2 on the PlayStation 2, and then I played Metal Gear Solid 1 on the PC, which is a really weird way that does not uh, fit the mass market demographic. I did not have Psycho Mantis telling me to adjust the the video inputs on my uh, television or read my memory card. It'd be really fucked up if Psycho Mantis read your hard drive and just commented on the things that were on there. <laughs> what they do for the PC version instead is cut out the vocal dialogue when you're talking with Colonel Campbell and have just text say, by the way, if you're playing on a keyboard, you should now switch to a USB gamepad, or vice versa. (laughs) Instead of changing controller ports for Psycho Manus for the PC version, you changed uh, input ports on your computer. Didn't quite work as well. I played through that game on a keyboard, okay? Like, granted, I was like 12 years old, so I had, I was just, you know, better at video games in general back then, like we all were, and you know, all the games I loved back then were better back then, like everyone always thinks. But yeah, I uh, 
I, I played the PC version first. My formative memories of Metal Gear Solid don't actually include the fuzzy texture wobbles or the pixelated texture filtering that most people probably have, too. Really weird way of going through it. It still hooked me regardless. It was a super-duper fun teenage adventure that turned into a little, like, career Kickstarter 10, 20 years later. Blake, talk me through your experience of the beginning of this game. Well, actually, before before you start the game... You you texted me saying, I have no idea what's going on. And I said, there's a briefings section in the main menu that I watched. <laughs> I watched all of before, like, starting the game. But it is, like, it is so of this game that it's like, hey, do you really want to know what's going on? Well, there's a separate section that doesn't even, it's not included when you say start game that is, like, borderline required for understanding, like, who all the characters are and why they are going to do the things that they're doing. Yeah, I didn't know about that when I started the game. It's, like, 45 minutes, too. It's a lot of talking. I was thrown into the proverbial deep end of the Alaskan Sea, I suppose, in this submarine. Uh, my immediate impression was, wow, the water effects in this game are really good. The, like, warbling, oh. I don't know what you would call that. The, like, the underwater shots of Snake where he's, like, all wavy looking. I was like, that's so impressive. And I think that's indicative of my overall thoughts about this game. Where, speaking frank, I'm not enjoying playing it. And I'm not necessarily enjoying the way the story is written. But, as a product of its era, I think it is one of the most astounding pieces of video game I've ever played, as I constantly think like, oh, this was released in 1998, and it is clearly like taking the medium very seriously and trying to be a serious entertainment like product in 98. I think that's incredible stuff. Playing it in 2023, I'm not having any fun. But I do think my immediate impression has become like a good uh, centerpiece for what I feel four and a half hours later. It's like, Wow, how impressive. Not in not getting it, you know? I had I had a, a similar thing without without as much of the negativity. I think I'm probably a little between uh, the two of y'all. Um but recently actually our uh, someone who we cite frequently on the show Thor High Heels released a video talking about like the extra stuff in Metal Gear Solid games, but they just mentioned like when when Snake comes out of that little like uh the the like missile that he was shot out of the submarine in to infiltrate there's like a pressure ripple that goes through the water and there are like there's so many things like that which just feels like you know what they didn't need to do that and they did you know like animations for snake doing kind of unexpected things like you see Snake climb down from an air vent and there is like an animation that shows like how he gets out of the air vent and stuff. And it's like, th that is that is my consistently like the favorite part of the game for me is just seeing these cinematic flourishes of just like animation and character building and kind of world setting that are so impressive. No congruity. It's true. <laughs> I super agree with you, Jacob. I, I, there's something I keep thinking about in that Thor video, which I also recently watched, where they're like, you know, people are used to this game. I can't remember what it was, but it was like this shitty platformer that looked like garbage. And then you compare that to what MGS was doing at the time. And it's like, oh, clearly it's League's Ed. And I think that's a little bit of revisionist history because it's like a year before Final Fantasy VII came out and 
was its own like you know technical showcase for and, how you do and contemporary to metal gear solid it was also directly competing with ocarina right, of time right, and right, half-life right, right. in terms of other games that were pushing the envelope forward just as much that said i i think the point is a valid one of just like wow this is clearly like setting the stage for where narrative AAA video games will go at a very early point. Like, it's you, it's so easy to just draw a straight line from this and, like, Final Fantasy VII to, like, what we're still playing. Uh, Metal Gear Solid is is one of the better examples of, uh, of hitting the vein during a naive early time where they could take this concept more seriously. That video games for the next 20 years are going to be for teenage boys who want to have very complicated thoughts about whether or not yeah. they want to be a soldier. Yeah. But very uncomplicated thoughts about uh, whether they want to fuck any woman that talks to them at any time. Hey, because that... Oh, I can't believe I'm getting hit on by the famous Solid Snake. You know, seeing how visually impressive the game was, I was like, yeah, I, pro- I kind of expected that. Snake being a sex... Snake being it. a sex pest was not what I expected from this game. But by God, he this man could not come out in 2023. He'd be canceled day one. Oh, it's fine. <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't know. I feel like the what, what's kind of interesting is like, having played other Kojima games, I'm aware of how his games treat women, worse. you know, in terms of like cinematography and costuming. What's actually interesting, and I feel almost works better in this, is having the main character be, like, an overt misogynist almost makes it feel like, oh, it's a character thing. Whereas in, like, Metal Gear Solid Five, when the camera is just, like, sweeping past every yeah. person's ass, then I'm like, well, this isn't from the character's point of view. This is just, like, the game is showing me. Yeah, that. yeah, I don't... Metal Gear Solid 1 is, like, quaint in comparison to uh, <laughs> right. what what's gonna happen later in the series, and... And a lot of that, like, does owe to the uh, uh, localization and dialogue rewriting from um, Jeremy Blostein, I think the name was. Oh, who worked on Silent Hill. But there's there's definitely a uh, balancing act going on between a uh, very, very visible presence of female characters throughout the narrative from beginning to end versus the one who's actually a model there in the game world with you being a pincushion punching bag for the main character's motivations. Um, Now, you guys did not play through the second half of the game, so you don't get to see whether or not there's some sort of redemption arc going on. I don't know what what more I could possibly say about that to be lightweight on the spoilers, but I, uh, I, 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 I don't know. Wouldn't... (laughs) Wouldn't wouldn't say outright misogynist. Snake is an anti-hero. He 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 makes right. Okay, he learns. He makes comments about um Meryl's ass, right? And uh, but beyond him, the the game writer Kojima is all more so the one who is responsible for treating Meryl as a pincushion. I can't really remember anything that would be objectionable by modern day Twitter standards with regards to Mei Ling and Naomi. If anything, I remember Naomi like really being a little more more groundbreaking in terms of like a a woman in the game who's a competent like 
educated expert who is not sexualized. I don't remember neither of them the, are, but Mei Ling does get the, ooh, I'm getting hit on comment. Yeah, the first um, thing that Snake says about Mei Ling is like, a woman scientist. A female uh, sniper. You know, so it's like, he's he's surprised. And we can say, you know, he's, he's glad to see more diversity in the workplace mm. if we want to give him credit. I also just forgot that one of the villains is, is Sniper Wolf, and she's got, like, her cleavage yeah, out. Wolf. But besides that, it's not... I don't think they do anything real, real uh, opportunistically sexist with Sniper Wolf through the through the game either. No, and she she's nice to dogs, so she's a good. It's person. more what happens to Meryl, and and even then, the stuff that does happen to Meryl, I think, is on such a uh, smaller scale of uh, of of perniciousness that you could get away with making a Metal Gear Solid remake nowadays without having to change much regarding her character. We're interrupting this broadcast to let you know that something rotten is. Dead. We're doing what? Starting immediately, something rotten is done. Finished. Gone. Bon voy freaking Oz, Jacob. This podcast is now a Leo Vader fan cast. Every week, we're covering all the latest, hottest, and juiciest news about the Minneapolis movie maker. And if you've seen him, you best believe there's plenty of hot news to talk about. We're, like, as much as I love him, we're not going to do that. Uh, but if you like Leo so much, have you considered signing up to Nebula? To what now? Nebula. Nebula is this wonderful streaming service run by creators with exclusive videos, podcasts, shows, the whole nine yards. I'm on there. Leo Vader is on there. Blake, you're on there. Is that what these checks are from? My God. Okay, here's the deal. When you sign up to Nebula using our code, nebula.tv slash something rotten, you get immediate access to early and ad-free episodes of this show and exclusive bonus podcasts featuring guests such as Noah Caldwell-Gervais, Gareth Damian Martin, and Chris Bratt. You also get access to Nebula's entire catalog of creators and content, and your money goes directly towards us making this show better. Do you think Leo feels about me the way I feel about him? I think a better question is, does Leo know you exist? I've literally pooped in his bathroom. I would sure hope so. The Metal Gear Solid Delta 3 remake is coming out, and there's some extremely weird stuff that happens when you look into the behind-the-scenes medical background lore flavor text of that game's uh, uh, love interest lady sidekick type character that I do visualize them probably not including for the remake. MGS1, on the other hand, I still rewatched it through a long play last night. I, th- I think I think it ages gracefully. Yeah, you know, it's like if I think the there are Easter eggs where it's like, hey, if you do this enough times, Meryl won't have her pants on, and it's like if you take that out and and maybe make her the movement of her ass a little less highlighted in every camera scene it's like yeah you know it's again i think i think quaint is the word for it where it's like wouldn't write a game like that uh if i was writing a game but honestly even in in the oeuvre of kojima's treatment of women uh this is like a pretty pretty light um here's Here's something that uh, happened very early on in the game that I wrote with, like, 12 question marks, is um, Snake gets onto the base. He doesn't have anything, but he does have smokes. And uh, Naomi says, how did you bring cigarettes in? And he says, I kept them in my stomach. (laughs) What does that mean? I was thinking about this literally last night, Jacob. (laughs) Okay, now you see, this is actually... um... Ah, Hideo Kojima, uh, utilizing the, um, narrative, uh, dissonance between the, the ludo-mechanical, uh, uh, 
lenses of of player perspectives to create a meta narrative in which whatever visual you have of those words is whatever you whatever he did to sneak them in there's there's another line like that actually where uh you know you find meryl and meryl has the key and snake says how did you hide it and meryl says women have more hiding places than men and again i was like excuse me oh yeah yeah that just means whatever you'd like it to mean baby (laughs) i think one of the playing this the actual the the overwhelming experience that i had was similar to and i think we've talked about this before on this show like the experience of seeing some great work of art or literature and realizing that you had already seen the parody of it on The Simpsons. Like, there are so many things that I have realized I've seen across my, like, life of gaming that are explicit Metal Gear Solid 1 references in in camera framing, in lines of dialogue, in, like, location and movements and whatever. And, like, the... It, it speaks to the pacing of this game that, like, the density of those moments is almost overwhelming. It's like every 10 minutes, I feel like something quote-unquote iconic happens, and I realize, like, oh my gosh, I have seen that reference to, like, 40 different places. Jacob, as a first-time player, do you feel like any of them are hitting you particularly hard? I I think the... The the biggest things that are hitting me are, like, atmosphere. I think the music of this game fucking rocks. And it's, like, obviously, I've been hearing remixes of the music forever. And, you know, even in, like, Super Smash Bros., you know, you're hearing different things. I think, I think um, uh, the bass, like, as, as a place is really is really neat and feels it it feels grounded and something that i totally did not realize about this game is like it's not it's not explicitly linear per se like you're kind of running back and forth through the same location opening up new doors and having new pathways it's like i'm not going to call it a, a metroidvania because you're just finding new key cards but like it i i am really surprised and and kind of like pleased by how how much work they're doing in making making this place feel like uh, a real place even though uh as you can as you can uh read if you read about the development of this game uh apparently they sculpted all of the rooms out legos. of legos before modeling them and you can tell that those rooms were made out of legos when you look at the layout of them but like i really like how everything fits together uh there was one moment in this game that did genuinely kind of blow me away and it was the uh psycho mantis fight when he told me to put my controller on the ground and he made it move with his <laughs> i was like that's yeah you said how did he do that i was like that's literally the coolest shit of all time so and you can only out. do it once no other yeah. there's one other video game in all 30 years since uh metal gear solid one i think the only game that really leaned into that fourth wall break stuff as hard as metal gear solid one is eternal darkness but yeah silicon knights on the gamecube other than that it's a trick that you can only only get away with once if any other game ever did that ever again they'd say yep they'd they'd get a whole bunch of immature gamers clogging up their their steam reviews talking about what a cheap lazy metal gear solid one ripoff they were being you know what i liked is when i called naomi on the codec and i said my arm hurts and Naomi said, put the controller against your arm, oh, yeah. and then it vibrated. How uh, how did you guys handle the Merrill uh, phone number that's on the back of the CD case? Okay, so the we're both playing on the newly released MGS collection, um, which, for all the controversy around it, 
I think people are being babies. This thing's fucking cool. Gamers being babies? You're kidding me. Yeah. This has never happened before in the history of humankind. Yeah, I guess the games aren't at 4K or whatever people are mad about. Who cares? Uh, There's a lot of cool shit in there, including uh, there's an online manual you can read because, you know, you don't have the video game manual. You go in the pause menu and select it. But before it launches you into it, it opens up like a uh, a high high res PNG of the front and back of it. It feels like you're briefly playing Gone Home. It's like you pick up a cassette tape and you can like rotate it and read what's on the back. It's really cool from the perspective of one, you get to see the original front and back art of this thing really like high res you can zoom in really close and also that's how they get around some of the like you don't have the picture on the back of your jewel case like you just spin it around and there it is and i was like that's a fun clever little workaround and i still got to like almost have the unique experience of figuring that out for the first time you know like i knew what i was looking for um it was just a matter of finding it in the game but it was cool. I like the way they, they thought about that. The controller one for Psycho Mantis we can talk about, less less cool. Kind of dumb. Um, but I, I mean, it's like, yeah, so not only is that Meryl thing cool, and I had, like, I had heard about that, and so I was like, okay, I think it's on the box. But uh, another thing that surprised me, and this speaks to, like, how fast the pace of the game is, is, like, every, you can basically call anyone uh, at any time, and they will talk about your situation. And your situation changes so fast that you can call people like every five minutes and they'll have a different thing to say, which is Fully really voiced. cool. And like, yeah. And, and it's like, you know, when I have gotten stuck in this game, I have largely just been able to call Campbell or something and he will, you know, give give a pretty overt hint on like what to do. And I just like, I I, I think I was expecting more more repeating dialogue that I would just call them and they would say the same thing that I had already heard. And like, that really doesn't happen unless you're just standing in the same place and calling them repeatedly. And it's actually something I, I, I need, I, I need to get in my head more for the second half of this game. Cause I'm such a 2023 gamer that I'm just pulling up walkthroughs before thinking to call people on codec. And it's like the game has it all in there. I don't need to read a walkthrough, but I just gotta I gotta work past that and try to experience it. There's there's also the really good sense of place and immersion that you were talking about with how like catchy the music is and how grounded the the area feels. I hate thinking of you having to break that very frequently for for looking something up on a on on a wiki like you're playing Dark Souls instead and it's sure. weird. Sure. It's Dark weird. Souls a game famously without a sense of immersion or place. <laughs> You know, you know how how often the music just like gets to a a a a, 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 a rotten place. It does Silent Hill one stuff sometimes. Occasionally, yeah. the music will just be the sound of the wind howling through a metallic hallway, and that's it. That it's is true. the music track. It's it's beautiful sometimes. I mean, there are in this game there are really excellent moments of like mechanical discovery in this game, like that I really enjoy, like fighting the android ninja. Or Gray Fox. Gray Fox! Uh, and I don't think this is the best um, solution to the fight, but I was just like, oh, that's really cool. Is like having the realization that the chaff grenade will like stop him for a bit and like coming to those conclusions. And it's something like, again, I need to get past as a 2023 gamer where I'm just looking up solutions at the like 
immediate moment of frustration. But like that that moment stands out to me. It's like, oh, I can give myself some breathing room because he's an android and the chaff grenade will stun him. So, so Hideo Kojima designed the game so that all your gadgets have more than one usage. Uh, the chaff grenade is useful for some boss fights. It also turns off cameras. It also turns off alert phases. If you can break line of sight with the guard, their radios won't keep the timer going as much as oh, it otherwise would. I didn't know that. Um... Yeah, all the gadgets that you get have some kind of multiple uh, situational usages that that occasionally come into handy as uh, as as you play through the game again and again and again over multiple times because it's 1998 and it's all you got. Uh, you know, one thing that I do think is a is a huge marketed difference between how a uh, a so-called cinematic game in the 2020s would be doing the same storyline compared to 1998 is. Uh, uh, you don't, uh, uh, have walking and talking through a simulated loading screen in Metal Gear Solid 1. It's all cutscenes. Sure. Very, very long cutscenes. A lot of gamers these days do not have tolerance for that sort of thing. I'm wondering if, if you guys have visions in your head of what this same storyline would look like if the characters were talking in a room while you as Solid Snake ran around in a circle waiting for the the scripted event to end and and keep going but you wouldn't have your gameplay be broken maybe it would be more immersive right. if it was a a scripted sequence of npcs talking yeah it's like snake snake squeezing through a, a tight space between two rocks while talking yeah. to the current well player. well otacon is is being real serious about how how shocked he is that war is bad yeah i uh i i think there's there's a lot of of an incongruity, if you will. Thanks you, thank you, Kojima, for that thesaurus usage. Um, with how the the walking and talking style can make some very very silly visuals happen when a story is trying to get serious with its tone. Yeah, the I you know yeah. I've I've been playing uh, the the new God of War DLC that just dropped, and like you know the the thing that we all love that AAA games do now, which is you're having a conversation with someone and then gameplay starts. And then they stop talking, and then they say, "As I was saying," and then you know, pick up again in the middle of their their thing. And it's like, I I think that you know, honestly, I think the cutscenes in this game are like they are long, but they are very engaging. You know, yeah. like I I am totally guilty of like sometimes playing a game and I just without even thinking pick up my phone when a cutscene starts because it's like I just don't I just don't care. And like in this, you know. Even though sometimes I am kind of I'm reading the codec calls instead of listening to them all, like I'm not I'm not checked out, and I do think there is the kind of like the the theater of limitations where because you don't have characters doing actual facial expressions, you know that all you have is kind of <laughs> the wiggle. head squishing up and down. Like there is a lot more thought put into how the scenes are framed and how the camera moves because like. They know that you can't just rely on doing like a shot reverse shot in the way that, uh, you know, a Witcher does yeah. or uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. And there's like really, there's a lot of care put into a lot of the cutscenes and just like audio mixing. Like the the cutscene with uh, President Baker, I think, in the prison where Meryl's next door. Like they think about like muffling the conversation depending on which. Yeah, cell when it pans over in. to Meryl, yeah. Like yeah. It's, it's really smart. There's a lot of great shit in here. I just don't like playing it. It's so it's so elegant that 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 you can miss it. But you, you did you guys say you were doing Metal Gear Solid Two? Yeah, because you'll notice it there. Holy shit, you'll notice it there. 
yeah, the the cutscene length is almost about on par with Metal Gear Solid One, but the quality of the writing and the 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 uh, fun that the game developers are having from from making the best of their limitations is not there. And it was like painfully obvious even back in two thousand two that uh that that there's something about Metal Gear Solid One's cutscenes that 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 do make them inherently more watchable than than what a lot of other games would be doing in its own series to a lot of the same time frames and time distributions. Um, I do love another thing that it's like, it's something that we kind of make fun of Kojima for, but I, I really like here and I do think was probably very unique. I can't think of another game that would do this is like when when the characters are introduced having the actor's name in parentheses under the character i just think is so neat even though as i recently learned all of them except david haters are pseudonyms because there was like some question about like if they were allowed to do it with union rules Um, but i just like i do i do really like that that kojima's always been very focused on like here is the actor playing them you know that that this is in in my pursuit of making a filmic game, yeah. like I am going to credit the actors that are doing this stuff, and I want you to think about them as actors and not just as animated polygons. There, there is um, an explanation for a lot of of what is unique about Metal Gear Solid One when you look into the history of late '90s union video game voice acting politics. There might have been so much voice work and such a uh, good performance work put into this game because they were able to get it done at a way cheaper rate than what would happen later on in a few years in video game history. And uh, and they also packed in so much of it uh, from the uh, technological incentive of showing off CDs in their storage space compared to Nintendo's babby cartridges for kitty gamers in comparison i do i want to i want to uh call out um uh way back seven years ago i was watching this video uh our friend ben hansen when he was still at game informer and tim turry put together a like uh essentially a um put together an oral history of the metal gear solid voice acting speaking to the the casting and voice director and essentially every character and talking about you know like getting getting all their memories from that time how they were essentially all just in a house and and they said that like they were literally in the same room as the people that were acting so they just all had to be quiet like when someone else it wasn't like they had like a sound booth and then a separate thing and they were also all kind of performing for each other because they were all like watching each other do these things and so it really sounds when they talk about it, it sounds like this very unique kind of cheap, low budget situation that still kind of imparted some magic onto the performances. There, there, there's like a really rough audio compression uh, method that they use in this game that that gives it the vibe of a low fidelity 90s game. But you have a very high quality, timeless performance underneath it. And that is because there was traffic sounds coming from the windows they put all the audio in the game, whether it's codec or cutscene, through through heavy noise suppression filters, and you can hear it. There, ooh, excuse me. There are other games from the '90s that that actually have cleaner, crisper audio vocal tracks than Metal Gear Solid that everyone's forgotten about. That uh, that didn't have traffic in the windows, so they didn't have to run the sound files through so much 
processing. Yeah, and I, I think it works. You know, I think it like for for the tone, you know, for the codec calls, especially it's like, well, you assume they're kind of going to sound like shit. And then it just it just feels especially now like you're kind of you know, it's kind of like watching a VHS where it's like the the defects add legitimacy to what you're watching. George, this question is not applicable to you because I assume you can answer it very well. But Jacob, oh up to the point we have played. Oh boy. Can you tell me the story of Metal Gear Solid 1 oh. tactical espionage action? Oh, oh, okay. I okay, I feel like I feel like the on top story Mm-hmm. is actually not that complicated right. and there are just like a lot of things that are kind of attempting to make it seem more complicated for sure so like the 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 story that we're playing is that snake is sent to uh an alaskan military base or he thinks it's a military base um no were you about to say something it's a civil- wrong it's a civilian oh, it's base. A dispose nuclear warhead disposal facility like like you know That's everyone right. has those down the street everyone knows what those are right yeah he is sent to that base because it has been taken over by terrorists who want the remains of Big Finn. Boss, and they're saying, <laughs> right? Yeah, no, you're absolutely no? right. Okay. You're right, okay. and it's really funny. And they want the remains of Big Boss, <laughs> um, and they are threatening they are threatening a nuclear launch if they don't get those remains. <laughs> um, so Snake is, Snake is sent there to fetch, or he's, he's sent there to, I don't know, stop them from doing a nuclear launch. Uh, on a secret mission, he's pulled out of retirement to do it. Whatever. Something I'd really, I'd like to point out that I really like from a, a, a gameplay perspective was uh, instead of a in-depth tutorial about how Snake operates, he's sent with no equipment, like no guns or anything. And it's like you got to find your own shit and then learn how to make it. I thought that was a beautiful touch at the beginning of this game. That's how the military works, right? When they send guys yeah. onto missions. Yeah, I remember. They say put put your cigarettes in your stomach. We're not sending you with anything. One of, else. one of the quotes from Jeremy Blaustein is that he invented OSP out of thin air because he figured that coming up with any kind of acronyms for whatever stupid uh, baloney happens in this game um, will sound really official and convincing to the teenage audience if you just give it a, a, an acronym like on-site hey. procedure OSP. Got it. Roger that. I'm 29. Sounded good to me. I was into it. I was yep. like, that's cool. <laughs> I'm going to figure out how to play this You're game. You're going to procure your equipment on-site like a real super-duper special agent soldier. So Snake Snake gets onto the base. He finds out, uh, oh gosh, they're they're... Uh, you know, people from his history here. There's Liquid Snake, who's a genetic clone of him, um, and and other people. But largely, he's like still. This is the mission. Campbell reveals that his uh, his niece is also um, Meryl Silverberg is also on the base, and he hopes that Snake can rescue her while he's there. Um, Snake then finds out that uh, that not it's not simply that they are doing a nuclear launch, but actually this was a top secret development area for Metal Gear, a robot that is a, a, a big mech that is capable of launching nuclear weapons. Jacob, um, you please, yes. please use the proper pronunciation. Metal Gear. Metal Gear. Metal Gear. Um, <laughs> and uh, and you find you find the scientist Otacon along the way who developed Metal Gear but claims that he did not know that it was going to be used for he thought it was just like a defense 
mech. He didn't know that it was going to be nuclear capable. Uh, but you find out that Campbell did know that it was that both Metal Gear was here and it was, uh, you know, nuclear whatever. Um, and uh, that's basically where we've left off. Okay, hold on. The Otacon thing raises an interesting point. Otacon says, I really loved anime, so I wanted to... <laughs> I wanted to become a scientist so I could build robots like I saw in anime. Fair. Yes. Why not? And then he oh, builds. Oh, God. He's like, <laughs> as far as I understand, the chief architect of Metal Gear, which is a weapon, but also meant to dispose of nuclear bombs. But he didn't know it had the capability to shoot nuclear bombs. And this further. Yeah, I was like, what fucking anime were you watching, Otacon? Proves two things. One, in this world. Scientists can be the dumbest human beings of all time. Two, you shouldn't give otaku's jobs. Otaku, what's jobs? Huh. Here is some. Somehow I missed. I knew. I knew that Otakon liked anime. I knew he was like a a fucking weeb. I did not know that Otakon is literally otaku convention. <laughs> that that is that is what his right. name is made out of. Right. I wrote. I wrote down. He's literally the wow cool robot guy. He's the guy who the Gundam, yep. you know, shot is going over his head. He did say. I mean, I did think it was interesting that um, he was like my grandpa was on the. Uh, you know, he his grandpa helped develop the nuclear bomb. And then his dad also did something with nukes. And he kind of, he's like, so... all three of our family members, we keep accidentally nuking places. And it's like, come on, For man. the past, like, five minutes, I've just been laughing at stupid stuff that happens in Metal Gear Solid 1. You're reminding me that in the sequels of the game, in the prequels, you go meet his grandpa. And it's still, it's just as stupid in those games as it is in here, if not more so. I'm... I can't believe that, like, every... The, the synopsis that you've given is expanded upon in, like, multiple games with, like, something like 20 more hours of context left to discover for almost every single word of the synopsis over, over the course of the series' history. They have milked it hilariously. It is kind of like the the almost i guess it's the predecessor because we're doing this now but it's like you know the original star wars movie you watch it and it's like wow look at these cool rebels they help blow up a death star and then over the past 20 years we have learned who every single character in that movie is and their like huge backstory that has led them to this moment but it's like honestly playing metal gear solid one it's just kind of like, you know, it's like, I know there's history from the Metal Gear games, but like, yeah. it doesn't, other than the only thing that feels like completely uh, ridiculous in kind of a way that I don't understand what the game is doing is like Liquid Snake being the genetic clone. <laughs> I, I'm kind of like, what the hell does that mean? Yeah. You know, like, where did that come from? Because everything else is like, you know, it's completely overwritten and ridiculous, but like, it's all existing within just kind of the the plot of this game, I think. Yeah, I mean, that that's how I felt about Death Stranding, too. It's like, if, if you look at it from a mile away, it seems confusing. But within its own fiction, it's pretty straightforward. And I think Metal Gear Solid is as well. I also, mm -hmm. it, an interesting thing, I don't know if you all knew this. I only learned this yesterday. Otacon's gr grandfather is portrayed in Oppenheimer by Benny Safdie. That's actually that... Yeah, that's that he's place. that guy. Yeah, it's that guy. <laughs> that guy who's like, we should build a bigger bomb. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's actually uh, Grandpa. Otacon. I just wish that Death Stranding had characters named things like 
I don't know. I I I I I do wish the names were as stupid and immediately laughable as Liquid Snake and and Big Boss. I'm sorry, I, but are you forgetting point, Die Hard? Die Hard. Do. I know. I know. I it, 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 it was a statement that started to make the less less sense the more and more it came out of my mouth. But something about these Metal Gear Solid One names gets me. It gets me so so good like when you were talking about how otakon is actually otaku convention i i just otaku lost it convention. back here i mean just just when a character walks on screen and the little title card says revolver ocelot i'm like oh yeah baby i'm in. i mean there's some names in this game that are so hard like shadow moses i don't know what the fuck it means shadow moses care. is an awesome it's name. so good and then there's names like otakon where I'm like, why have we propped Kojima up for 20 years as <laughs> the greatest writer in video games? Because it's good. Metal Gear Solid 1 is good. Here's, here's the weirdest name in this game, and I do not have an explanation yet as of the where we are in the game at this recording. A Deep Throat? Like, who who snakes like the guy from Watergate? And he's like, yeah. Yeah, he gives you he gives you secret info about Shadow Moses. He's deep throat. Yeah, why is he in this game? Why is the Watergate guy, why I does he know about why? Shadow Moses? He's not the same guy. Teenage audience can feel like they're playing with something for grown-ups. <laughs> they do. I do like when I go into my menu and there's the option to call deep throat. And I always call him and he never picks up. Remarkable restraint on Kojima. To not have Snake comment on that name beyond saying, oh, like the Watergate guy. Yeah, maybe the teenage audience thought it meant something else. I I will admit that I, when I was growing up, I heard that name first from certain websites on the internet. And then Metal Gear Solid, <clears throat> I, ne I never knew about the 1970s movie until, until after Metal Gear Solid. Like, for a good two, three years of, of my childhood de development, I, I associated the name deep throat with with watergate before any uh uh salacious movies from the 1970s that that had lawsuits associated with them afterwards jacob you've seen that movie correct you love it oh yeah yeah you made a video essay <laughs> not about seen it. that movie why not it's a classic the, the semiotics of deep throat behind the green door you love them all big fan jacob Geller. <laughs> i think one of the the thing in this game that i was most like this is kojima writing other than uh the way that people talk to women is um and and i should say i i've only this is the first time i'm playing metal gear solid i have played snatcher and i really like snatcher which is you know an earlier kojima project and just the the impulse to explain oh everything, yeah you know that it that it is kind of and in the way where it's like it seems like he read about a book about this and liked it and wanted to talk about it but it's like early on there is a thing where you're in the vents and you see mice and it's like oh follow those mice they'll show you where you get out except it's not just that because you actually have an extended call that talks about like these are alaskan field mice <laughs> this is what they do this is how they survive and then the the one that i wrote with like five exclamation points is when they were just explaining how a key card works you know they were okay. they were just like lines and lines of like this is how a key card works you guys gotta understand in 1998 key cards were still new and cool is that how key cards work though i i i don't think they use the salt in your body but but they interact with your body's dna i don't think but, so. but using don't a card as a key whoa before you know it we'll have 
have flying cars and world peace. Kojima remarkably reminds me of the Danish, I believe, director Lars von Trier. Uh, not, I guess you could say in some ways the the substance of their stories but mainly the way they think their ideas are so incredible but don't trust their audience to get them that they have powerpoint syndrome and it popped up so quickly in this game i was like uh here's the powerpoint section of this game where kojima read a national geographic article about mice and now i it's my problem uh lars von trier does a similar thing in house the jack built where he shows like literal powerpoints to explain his movies there's also a lot of fun psychoanalysis to do with both authors when it comes to how they write women oh, and sure. particularly mother characters oh, you know yeah. kojima oh, has yeah. not gone through yeah, well, should we talk about death stranding through 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 any any uh uh actual lawsuits you know but... and i do think one of the you know this is this is a low bar and also we might have to uh, reflect on this part of the podcast in the future but like one of the reasons that i think we do kind of let kojima get away with more stuff is like is the fact that he there are no allegations of him being a creep that by all accounts he is just like a family man and even though he like seems to be a kind of very horny creator i don't think there's anything of like any of the women who've worked with him like saying that he was unpleasant to work with but maybe i'm still i mean i would say he is a creep i've played several of his games and i've seen the <laughs> yeah but you know he's like uh he's like an artistic creep i'm just saying we can't call him a creep a, uh... when he has 30 years of games where he's a creep yeah. right also his fetishes are like totally on display throughout the series he has a latex thing he likes white women in latex and he likes when guys shit themselves is that another he likes one men's that... asses and white women in latex <laughs> he also loves he also has a really complex fetish about leia sado uh aging rapidly below the neck Hmm. loves that one um let's okay let's talk about the actual gameplay of this for a while because it's like while the the kind of the short version of it is like i found it challenging like the more the more analytical i get the more kind of interesting i think it is you know like i think there are this is this is a game that it's like i really respect almost everything that it's doing and some of them are not they're just not clicking with me in a way that i almost feel is my fault but like one of the things that i'm so impressed with that i i think is like kind of an older game design thing but also cool is like consistently stumbling into items and being like oh wait that seems really important it's cool that i just found it in a room and they didn't you know they didn't like tell me that i had to go there or like you know lock off the thing before it's like finding the pistol which is it's not like there are a bunch of pistols in the game it's like you find the socom and it's just in a truck and it's not really remarked upon i was like oh my gosh i found it and i had the same thing with finding the suppressor and the uh the famas the famous i'm not sure how you're supposed to say it but like you know these like pretty crucial items throughout the game that are just in a room and even though i found them all it feels very easy to miss them is uh it's cool and it makes you know it makes exploring feel worthwhile like stumbling upon like the diazepam be like weird yeah and then four you hours later for the worst boss fight in video game history you're not following any waypoints on your hud and i mean honestly screen resolution and the claustrophobia of the levels is so tight you wouldn't need to anyway they're they're very deliberately placed in uh ways that are not necessarily directly in front of a required pathway to get through the game but so close that most players aren't going to miss it anyway it's claustrophobic is a really good word 
for this. I like the way objectives in the game are delivered, where it's like, you need to go to the North Building Basement 1, and then you don't have a waypoint, you don't have, like, a mission objective in the top left of your screen. It's just like, remember that. Write it down. And it's the same with a lot of the codex, is like, just write down the fucking numbers. You can tell... It's north because the camera points. Right, <laughs> right, right. But like, right. I like the way a lot of that is like delivered. What's the word? Diegetically? Is that right? It's intuitive. Yeah. It's teleological. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I really enjoy that it's like, okay, now I... There's, there's a point, it's kind of annoying, where you go to the sniper wolf fight and then it's like, oh, you got to go find a sniper on the other side of Alaska and you have to spend all the time running there. Oh. But I, I, and it turns out it only takes you like, like, five it's true. Minutes. It, it, it's like a wake yeah. up call, a Dark Souls style shortcut discovery. Yeah. Like, oh, I thought this game was way bigger than it is. It turns out it's really like three tables of Legos. It's, it's a little annoying to backtrack in the middle of a boss fight to the other side of the game. But I did like that it was like, okay, they kind of told me where it was. And now I just have to go figure it out rather than like Dead Space where I just drop a line on the ground and follow that. And and there's new stuff on the way. They change enemy and camera placement from your before and after trips yeah. for that too. The 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 game was was infamous for backtracking for a few years after launch. That criticism has sort of fizzled away as time has gone on. I think uh the consensus now is that if you got a if you had to squeeze your your game design budget in the 90s and make use as much use as possible out of the tiny little Lego levels you had to work with. This is one of the examples of how to make the best of that kind of situation. Um, if you guys play any of the classic Resident Evil games, you'll uh, sure you'll 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 feel a, a, a much uh, much more harsher, spicier flavor in the back of your throat about how they they handle backtracking in the '90s. Metal Gear Solid One does backtracking in the '90s, but it. It's like like how how Metal Gear Solid One's women are treated better than the rest of the series. Yeah, sure, you gotta backtrack. It's just better in this game, okay? It it reminded me of like that picture of like this is what GTA Three looks like if you take all the fog away, where you see that it's actually only like three blocks, but like because it's obscured, you know, like something something that I struggle with in this game, but I I think gives it kind of this unique visual identity is like. The top-down camera is so close to you that you really, like, you... Basically, the guard's vision is almost bigger than the screen. And so, like, a guard can see you almost before you can see them on screen. And it, it makes up for that by kind of having a radar, which shows a, a bigger part of the map. <laughs> the Pac-Man menu. <laughs> yeah, but, like, because of that, it is... I think if you had just, like, if this was just, like, a third-person over-the-shoulder game... These rooms would feel minuscule, but because because it's so tight on top of you and you can never see, like, everything at once, it gets away with, like, feeling like a military base, even though I bet the geometry of this thing is, like, I, you know, it's, like, 5,000 square feet. Like, it's really very small when you're thinking about like how big each room actually is. It's, uh, when you look at the, the game map all in totality, it's, it's also, uh... An A to B tunnel. It it like looks and feels right. bigger than it is. It looks and feels more nonlinear than it is. I think that's a credit to the game design. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I agree. Here's something that uh was weird, and this is coming from me playing more modern stealth games. When you kill enemies, they just disappear. Yeah. <laughs> something that I really didn't expect. It's like the first time I mean, I like 
I like how long you go without shooting a guy in this game, or at least it was for me. That it was like the first time that I shot anyone is when you're breaking Merrill out of prison and you have the whole conversation about like you need to pull the trigger and then guards just kind of run and stand in front of you and you shoot them. But like I did not shoot a guy with a silenced pistol for like hours and then when I did, and he fell on the ground and immediately disappeared, I was like, wait, isn't there a whole dragging bodies thing? Uh, but that doesn't happen until Metal Gear Solid 2. Console memory limitation of the PlayStation 1. If you were playing Thief the Dark Project on the PC, you would have had your mind blown by having to hide bodies in 98. Right. But yeah, if you uh, were, were playing games on console, you had to wait till 2002 to, to start worrying about that. Like, how do you feel about all the uh, different items this game Pretty gives cool. you? And do it. I do think it's pretty cool. As an immersive sim fan, I like being like, a Nikita, what can I do with that? And it turns out, play a really bad minigame with it. But there you go. Uh, no, I, I like um, getting an item and being like, what's the unique thing I got to do with this? Like smoking a fucking cigarette to reveal the lasers in a room? That's so cool. God, I love that shit. That's that Kojima genius right there. That's the one. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really into it. Um, I really like, I think comparing this to kind of modern immersive Sims is interesting because it's like when I'm playing Prey or Dishonored, I'll kind of go through the game and there will just be many things that I never use. And this is like a small enough game that actually when I find something, I'm like, I'm going to use this. You know, it's like I've used, I've used my night vision goggles and my like thermal goggles multiple times i've used the mine detector i've used like all of the kinds of grenades like i i think it's you know again it's like the scaled down version of this where it's like you can do a lot of things but it's not like there are 20 ways out of every problem means that like i'm actually doing stuff and even the little moments like you can't have the cardboard box and the key card equipped at the same time. And so to get through this door, you have what to take you, the crazy? box off and hold up the key card, and then you can get through and put the box back of on. Of course. I mean, the, you're, the, the, the salt field surrounding your body is getting blocked by the cardboard right. box. I, it's perfectly logical to me. Um, let's talk about the bosses. No. <laughs> That's right. Big boss. The others. Um, <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll get a laugh out of the name, but yeah, not not no. the game's strongest point, is it? Well, so so here's here's my take on the bosses is that I don't think any of them are conceptually boring. You know, like For sure. when no. very on maybe Revolver is the only one where it's just kind of like shoot a guy, and even then his kind of like well you can't go into the middle because they're c4 and he's like bouncing bullets at you it's like they are all on paper you could see why they would all be kind of interesting bosses and i do like the speed that the game throws them at you i mean i really didn't think in the first half of this game we were going to fight like five four um a lot of them yeah, revolver you, you got the cyborg ninja yeah, revolver cyborg yeah, ninja. you got the tank, tank. Psychomantis and uh, Sniper Wolf. Psychomantis. Okay, okay, okay. Exception to the statement. Psychomantis is a cool boss fight. Of all of all the other boss fights, Psychomantis sticks out like like an absolute gem compared to the others. And it's like I I actually I I did not mind uh Cyborg Ninja and I did not mind uh the tank even though just maybe just cuz I kind of was able to do it relatively quickly, but like 
I, I struggled less with the bosses than with the rest of the game. But, Blake, how did you feel about them? Um, the only one I, like, really didn't like was Sniper Wolf. Um, the Psycho Mantis fight, I mean, it's a fucking classic. Shouts out. I do think is a little bit of a broken logic in the controller switch thing. It's like, who the fuck would have ever thought of that organically? Like, I needed the colonel to call me and be like, switch your controller port so he can't read your mind. It's like... I get what you're going for there, but that doesn't really make sense. Uh, the tank I thought was cool. Like, all of them, I mean, Revolver Ocelot, notwithstanding, because there's not really a trick to him. But, like, once I figured out the trick to a lot of them, I thought it was really cool. Like, having to use the chaff grenade on the tank I thought was really fun. And um, what, What's the trick behind the Cyborg Ninja? Because every time I replay the game, I always have a trouble with that one. And I'm, like, the, the super-duper fan here who's played it, like, 15 times. He and... wants you to fist fight him. You have to unequip your weapons right. and fist fight him. And that's the and then And then when you do, it's like a really tough reflex challenge that gets harder the older you get because yeah. your reflexes but I thought that get was, worse. I thought that was cool. I was into it. I was like, why the fuck are my guns not hitting him? And then I like listened to his dialogue more. And I was like, this motherfucker wants to get the shit beat out of him. Right. I mean, I, I think... I, I for whatever reason I mean again I'm playing on easy so maybe a lot of my experiences don't quite count but like the um you are valid Jacob you know I felt like with with thank you with cyborg ninja it was like well I just ran away from him when he was doing an attack and ran back in and punched him and it's like that worked for me oh my god I yeah I I'm I guess I should have been thinking of it as the dark souls of boss it's fights. like I'm Wait gonna for them to attack roll behind and then attack. my favorite Metal Gear game is obviously Metal Gear Rising Revengeance so I've already trained that's to fight right. Cyborg Ninjas that's right I think there's also a great missed opportunity with how all the boss fights use the same music track mm -hmm. that always struck me as a little weird that you hear the same music in the middle of a super dramatic special moment with your boss and you're fighting each other it's the same music that you hear with the generic random soldiers when they uh go into an alert phase yeah and man like if you could hear like like some big deep bassy drums while fighting vulcan raven and the tank or uh some some elegant female harmonic vocals while you were fighting sniper wolf that would have been that would have made them a lot more special. And uh, it's not like those instruments aren't there on the composer's um, MIDI board that he made the soundtrack yeah. with. They just, uh, that's the the one thing they didn't have the budget for for this game. They had more than enough budget for everything else they wanted to do, except like six unique music tracks for these boss the fights. The cutscene right before you fight Cyborg Ninja is hard on an astronomical level where you see because cyborg ninja is invisible and you just see a impaled guy suspended in midair off his invisible sword that shit rocks that whole lead up was great also when he um when he cuts off revolver's hand also very cool yeah that was that was like one of the you know what some of the fun of this game is like i think i know most of the things that are going to happen and then when something that i didn't expect happens it feels like extra surprising because i thought i knew everything didn't know revolver got his hand cut off didn't know meryl got fucking shot uh that was Numerous i was times. like I, I it's like i know that she doesn't die because i've played metal gear solid 4 but like you know having her just get like sniped and be like snake go live oh, i was no you played Metal Gear Solid 4 before Metal Gear Solid 1. You must have had no idea what was going on. That was that was my first Metal Gear Solid game, Metal Gear Solid 4. A completely thematically coherent game. Oh, that had to have been rough. 
Oh my goodness, I f I'm so sorry for you. I, I I felt like I was getting thrown in the deep end with two, but four is like like getting tossed into open ocean compared to that. Wow. <laughs> that is that is somewhat correct. At least now you know now you can play Metal Gear Solid four on a cleaner conscience. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> My first MGS game was the Zone of the Enders demo, but I've never played the rest of MGS oh, 2. Oh, yeah. yeah. In fact, oh, that was totally a thing, too, wasn't it? In fact, it? I'll say, all I knew about MGS 2 for the longest time was the Zone of the Enders demo. I think I was a professional in the game industry when uh, I found out you play that game as Raiden. I had no clue about that Switch. Uh, that was that was a, a good freaking demo, too. It really made you... Mm-hmm believe the whole game was going to be like that didn't yeah it? and then i just never got the full game uh i want to talk about this sniper wolf fight yeah well, here actually before before you do i just want to say something about the uh the music which is i agree i wish they had uh bespoke music tracks for the thing however i am so tickled whenever you are having like a semi-serious dialogue conversation and the that Irish song, The Best Is Yet To Come, like when they start kind of piping that in to just like a, a dialogue scene, I just, I love that shit. I love whenever, you know, kind of like, especially doing stuff with like vocal tracks and it like, what a weird choice for this game. I, I think one of the things that makes it stand out is like just how not fitting with like the genre it is to have this this very kind of like somber irish song uh so anyway love that shit and it's it's utilized very very well too like like the music chops are totally there for some badass boss music and 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 you see so many good examples of badass music all over the game i i i i think the whole soundtrack is great with metal gear solid 2 you also see that part of the game get uh uh, decreased for the sake of, of cinematic authenticity, if if that's not an oxymoron of all oxymorons. They um, used a, uh, like, electronics Konami B-Mania composer named DJ Sammy for Metal Gear Solid 1. Metal Gear Solid 2 is Harry Gregson Williams, right. who is a uh, famous orchestral composer for action movies, and so Metal Gear Solid 2 has an action movie soundtrack. Metal Gear Solid 1 has this really unique uh, techno-ambient video game soundscape that goes from silent hill one rotten industrial noise horror to uh some some real catchy metroid electronic beats that are that are almost danceable to this tear-jerking emotionally ripping soul-piercing gaelic um um opera that the game begins and has its most emotionally heavy uh moments go into it's it's good stuff it's good stuff just wish there was boss music Sniper Wolf. Sniper Wolf. All right, so you go you go through the whole fucking process of tracking down the sniper, getting your diazepam, you're ready to go. You go all the way back through the wolf den, the wolves are so annoying, but then you see the puppy wolf and it's so cute and you're like, ah, I can never stay mad at you, Kojima. But then, joke's on me, I can stay mad at Kojima because I go into this boss fight, which is conceptually cool. The sniper at the end of a long hallway and you have a sniper at the other end of it. Kind of like... I guess it's not too similar to the uh, quiet introduction, but you can play those fights similarly, where you're just two snipers across the way from each other. And and at least... I don't know about uh, two, but like every Metal Gear game has like a big sniper fight, oh, right? Yeah. Because it's three has the end, four has uh, 
like sniper wolf who's the wolf yeah Little Gear solid 2 there, there's like an infrared vision sniper shooting gallery yeah. not a boss but definitely 20 minutes of the game spent yeah. sniping in the 20 minute sniping section <laughs> oh cool can't wait so so anyway you get to this conceptually cool fight and then you realize uh you have to lay down in the middle of the most open area yeah. with no cover yeah. no hope to take cover you have to take diazepam and then if you're smart you'll instantly make sure your rations are equipped because you're going to spend a lot of the fight being shot and then when you're shot a lot of times the camera down the scope will wildly spin 180 degrees and you have to slowly try to move it back to center screen but more often than not you'll be shot two or three more times which will completely fuck up your orientation again so you have to spend all this fucking time just trying to aim it by which point your rations are dwindling because you've been shot so much by a high-powered sniper so it's just destroying your health and then you finally get it maybe you get a good shot in on her you're like all right now i got it and then she runs and you're like all right i'll just follow her and you follow so closely and then the camera decides it wants to speed up and you completely overshoot and then while you're trying to get it back she'll shoot you again and kill you and then you play this for 10 fucking times until i think the game maybe has dynamic difficulty because when i beat it it was like the easiest thing i'd ever done after nine of the most obnoxious deaths i've ever had in a game so i don't know i don't even know if there's a trick to this boss fight so much as it just is the trial and error learning curve of these really weird controls there's a lot going on like yeah definitely a case where the uh uh two-dimensional legacy of 90s video game design and making the the level out of out of legos clashes with uh, the point and click sniper yep. battle they're putting you up with i also think that this shows how like kojima didn't really learn how military tactics actually work until he got an advisor on metal gear solid 2 because like you totally yep. don't want in any in any sort of game simulation of combat Really uncomfortable history there. But in this sort of situation, you don't go down the tunnel towards the sniper. That's, that's, they even say in the dialogue, yeah. like, oh, they usually have two to pin you down in a crossfire. You have no options for cover. All of yeah. the, the usual sniper movie tropes aren't there. The, the sniper game tropes are certainly not there. I don't think at that point in, in the game development process, like, Kojima had a lot of experience playing airsoft or paintball games or, or he certainly didn't have the military advisor that yeah. was with him on MGS2 that would not have this kind of situation be depicted quite the way it is here. It's a weird, really weird, 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 weird part of the game that doesn't yeah. make a lot of sense. It just feels, it feels rushed, you know? It just feels like it was done really fast. I would say it's not only weird, but it's bad. Uh, I also think it highlights an issue I have with the game, like just overarching playing it. We played, granted this is not the cleanest comparison, but we, we recently played Silent Hill 2 for the show, which came out a few years later, which at that point in the game industry, three years was basically like 400 years in technological improvement. Oh, it really was. Man, it screws you up if you're a millennial when you get used to that as a kid. I, there's an interesting thought experiment to do on the way the passage of time feels different because games no longer have like such technological improvements year over year. Anyway, um, Silent Hill 2 is a game that 
has not aged particularly well when you play it, but it's not a mechanically in-depth game so that it's fine. It feels clunky. It's not particularly fun, but like it's not a demanding game. So like you can get through it with little resistance. I think where Metal Gear Solid does not age gracefully is it is a somewhat mechanically demanding game and it just like has aged like milk left in the summer sun because it's like just trying to kill two grunt enemies like concept of aiming in this game is non-existent yeah the, the aiming is really you get used it's to really it. tough I, i'm sure you would but like you get used to it but also it it becomes like something that is a hard proposition to want to engage with because this is such like an important like i guess compared to silent hill 2 Silent Hill 2, an incredibly important game. Metal Gear Solid, on a different plane of importance existence. But it's, like, impossible to want to engage with this game because it is so demanding from you as a player. And for all the moments that's really cool, like the cigarette things or the Psycho Mantis things, there's the sniper fight or just two grunt enemies who have found me that make this game, like, so impossibly frustrating. Like, I do just want to say on the sniper wolf thing, I, I think there's, I, I had a slightly more tactically sound approach than you, which is when you get shot, you just zoom out. You, you don't attempt to move your scope back. You just kind of, like, reorient yourself down the hallway. I started doing that too but also that's you that's not the game solution it feels like that is you having to like bend around shitty design it's just yeah it, it, it's a you know it's a weak part i do think there is a lot of this where i think it's like there are really interesting really interesting mechanics that are just held back by by i think i think it is like i will say it's like my ability to interface with the clunky controls you know like i don't i don't want to fully blame the game for this because there is really just this aspect of like i mean one we're we're in 2023 two blake and i play these games for podcasts which means that like there is a level of kind of impatience and inability to like meet them on their own terms that you would definitely have if you were this was one of the three games that you bought in 1998 yeah, yeah you know yeah. like if i played this game for like 50 hours i'm sure the aiming would be like second nature by the time i was done with it and and if you were a teenager got a you know yeah. very important qualifier. i also i feel like in my diet tribe there i did forget to point out it's like i'm also coming to this game in 2023 when like standards are just so different for video games that it's like i don't necessarily hold it against the game because it is a product of its time it just makes it so hard to play now for the first yes. time you know what i'm saying so so if if i may be be the metal gear solid defense force here for a minute or two um the the it it it, it, it is clunky it is hard to learn but you get used to it. You get used to it. One thing I've definitely noticed on replays is I don't even shoot bad guys. That's not even the optimal play strategy. The optimal play strategy is to sneak up behind them and snap their necks by repeatedly pressing the action button. The the Soliton radar deconstructs the game down to a, a offshoot. An actual, the fans will not argue with this one, an offshoot of Pac-Man. Mm -hmm. It plays closer to a 2D modern indie budget game that would still yeah, to yeah. this day be played from a top-down camera angle on a two-dimensional plane because uh, shooting and aiming in a 3D space is never required except for the stupid sniper battles. And um, the the aiming is always more of a uh, 
of of a case where where the game's mechanics are going to be working against you than for you in a way that almost distracts you from other tools that do the job just as well if not as good grenades and c4s get utilized a lot more than guns in future playthroughs and part of that is that you learn to anticipate the rhythm of guard movements around these very blocky lego hallways like pac-man and the ghosts yeah you, yeah you start getting into this routine of ambushing them around corners instead of taking them on head on uh if you do shoot them you do it when you're well well out of their range you might use the first person button to line it up ahead of time but you'll be using the Soliton radar to play the game. Your eyes will be focused on this corner of the screen, which I do think is also kind of a bit of a demerit to it as well. But but point is, yes, 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 you're not necessarily wrong, but also you get used to it. It was thought out for for the, the time space sure, that they, sure, sure, they sure, were sure. putting it in. And if you watch playthroughs of people who are experienced with it, it's obviously going to look a lot more elegant and yeah. graceful. Than, than what you guys were going through on a, on a, on a deadline for a podcast in, in 2023 after having played Metal Gear Solid 4 first. Uh, well, I played that game like 15 years ago or whenever it came out. So I'm still, I, I don't have any memory of it. Not famous either way for having elegant controls throughout the whole rest of the series up until MGSV. Which is maybe the best controlling game ever made. <laughs> The fans call it MGSV. The casuals will call it MGS5. Yes, the controls for this whole series never get graceful until until the fifth game in. Ha, I, 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 I love the gameplay of, of 3 in particular, but boy, oh boy, is it a, a obligation to learn. If you learn these things, they, they do become elegant and graceful and sure. and will have a, a depiction of a sneaking mission that actually looks like it makes sense. I also think it's funny when we're talking about how Metal Gear Solid has, has both anticipated and like, you know, been the basis of a lot of modern design trends. You know, there was that period that I don't think happens as much now, but like in the mid 2010s when every game had like a detective vision and that's how you would play the entire game, whether it was like detective vision or like Witcher sense or whatever, where you'd have like your, you know, see through mode. And it's like, that's just Soliton radar of like, I'm not looking at the game. I'm looking at like the representation of what the game is abstracted to its basic elements. Yeah, yeah, that is... That is the result of the camera angle being behind your character's back, so you can't peek over cover, and uh, the whatever thematic necessity of the Soliton radar might not be around for games that take place in historical periods like that. One thing that I think is really cool about MGS3 is you can click a button on the controller that switches from top down to behind the back, so you got the best of both worlds, oh, but it's cool. an extra button click. It takes a while to learn. The torture scene. Yeah. Cool. Oh, the prison you're mashing? It's cool. You're mashing. It's very I'm cool. Then you go to prison. How do you use the ketchup? I couldn't figure it out. It tells you in the item description. You press the action button I did. while it's in the menu, and it makes it squirt. No, it, and it it actually, it doesn't. It's like you have to, it doesn't tell you that you have to, like, lay down first and then use it. I struggled with this, and I was, like, okay. reading it. So my solution was when he went to take a shit, I got under the bed and hid. And then he was like, right. where'd he go? And then I just got out and beat the shit out of him. But I wanted yeah, to use the ketchup too. and the handkerchief. Both are valid options. There's 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 like at least three ways out of there. I also struggled using the ketchup, Blake, so you are you are not alone. I actually okay. I score I managed to do it, but by the time I figured out how to do it, he was looking at me. So he was just like, What are you doing? Why are you squirting ketchup on yourself? I believe you can also call someone on the phone to get you out of there. If I'm remembering right. You call Otacon 
and then he comes. I tried calling other people, and they didn't. It didn't necessarily work. It's a trial and error thing. Otacon just showed up for me. I didn't call anyone. I also think Grey Wolf can show up and bust you out. Oh. But yeah, I just yeah. hid under the bed, and then he unlocked the door for me. Okay, point is, Metal Gear Solid Defense Force over here was going to say that you're having a shared experience with the character where Solid Snake is hurting in the game, you're hurting in real life. That's part of the button mashing thing. It is supposed to make your thumb feel like shit. Oh, no, I, I love that shit. I mean, I'm a defender of the microwave hallway. I love the torture. Confused. You're supposed to... You're in prison. You're, you're trying every option at your disposal. Hey, at no point did I say I didn't like this section. I just said I want to know how to use the ketchup. That was my point. I thought this section was brilliant. You dip your fry in it, Blake. You put it on your hamburger. Shut, shut up, Jacob. <laughs> See, I'm just, I'm just, just, just way too oversensitive here for defending this, this stupid game about Liquid Snake fighting Solid Snake for the remains of Big Boss. Every time I say Solid Snake, my partner just looks at me and she's like, you know what you're saying? And I was like, that's his name. I have to say uh -huh. it. Uh-huh. You have to. Okay, George, what did you want to talk about? I wanted to talk about the beautiful juxtaposition going on between these incredibly stupid names of this incredibly stupid story that you cannot say out loud with your mouth without giggling your ass off in the background, and how how uh, this game hooked its claws so deep into so many people for such a long period of time because of a beautiful juxtaposition going on between that campy stupidity and a very very prescient layer of real world issues real politics real conspiracies that get tackled throughout the story in a way that you don't see in most any games in general outside of like maybe deus ex one um and you guys will not have this stuff spoiled for you you have already encountered it this game uh tries to tackle a few real world themes that were um big uh, uh prescient prevailing issues in the late 90s that have uh fizzled away but one of them has not and that is something rotten. It is called the military-industrial complex. It is about how super-duper su the blackest of the black projects in the American military industry is, uh, is held to, to unaccountable budget standards and uh, uh, completely decoupled from congressional and presidential oversight. This is a game about soldiers who are being lied to who uh, uh, get pissed off and, and take, take over a, a military installation that is uh, lying to the public. They send in another soldier to try and, and save the day, and they lie to him in the process. And it is all to protect the gazillion dollar investment that they were doing at this facility to uh, uh, a... Make a robot that can shoot nukes. Make a robot that can shoot nukes because the Cold War mad game is still going on in the uh, ostensibly more optimistic geopolitical climate of 1998. Metal Gear Solid 1 might have looked kinda sorta weirdly behind the times at the time because of how much Cold War paranoia it engages with. Oopsie whoopsie, three years later, 9-11 happens and the military-industrial complex is lying to people all the time about the super-duper secret black projects. The stuff about genome editing and, and gene soldiers and that, that I don't think has aged nearly as well as the military industrial complex but the conversation that you have with the president of arms tech the company is literally called arms tech that conversation you had still you do not have to change a word for that and could make the game take place in the 2020s or 2030s that, that that's that's kojima's 
prophetic uh, uh, streak coming through in Metal Gear Solid 1. In Metal Gear Solid 2, all the fans talk about <laughs> what, a, what a genius prophet he must have been for predicting internet misinformation and internet censorship. Really, really, guys, if you read newspapers and read the books, you, 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 you can be just as prophetic as Kojima. Point is, he was one of the only people in the video game industry doing it, and in many, many ways still kind of is, because I've just grown so frustrated sometimes with how under-read game culture is in general, but Kojima includes real-world issues in his games that, that, that get pulled off in, in really skillfully made ways compared to a lot of the other layers going on in his narratives. I think that is really cool and worth mentioning and definitely something rotten that we should talk about for a few minutes here. For sure. I mean, the my my favorite snake line that I wrote down, uh, other than he kept his smokes in his stomach, was, uh, so patriotism is your excuse for circumventing the Constitution. It's like, hey, man, the Patriot Act still hadn't happened yet, but, like, that's a, that's a line. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, the omnipotency of terrorism as an easily identifiable but hard to define concept getting utilized as the excuse for circumventing the constitution is is absolutely something that was happening a lot in late 90s media that looks really prophetic and prescient nowadays um he was kojima was absolutely on the pulse of of that layer of his narrative as well the terrorism spooks the military industrial complex spooks the 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 deprioritization of all other aspects of the human geopolitical historical experience for the sake of maintaining the the sneakiest fastest coolest nukes yeah is something that has not gone away i mean i think it's 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 impressive to play the game 25 years afterwards and be like damn it still be kind of like that huh uh one of the parts i really liked uh, and thought was interesting was there's a part where you go into a like hangar or whatever and you can't use weapons because they're just like leaking nuclear radioactivity uh, materials. And the game devotes several minutes of this to be like, not only is the world reckless with its use of nuclear weapons, it's reckless with its decommission of nuclear materials, which I thought was a very interesting concept because like, I, I get all the weapon stuff. That's easy to get behind. But like, I like that this digs into just the entire industry around nukes and how bad it is for like the environment and how reckless people in charge are with something as like critical ostensibly critical as like how you dispose of plutonium like this game is like hey teenager in wyoming maybe think about it i think that's really cool i think that is the part of this game the propheticism aside i think that is the part of this game that has aged wonderfully even when parts of it have not yeah it's yes. kind of it's like the field mice thing paying off you know it's like do you need do you need this information about alaskan field mice no but if that amount of attention is paid to every detail in it then you are going to get details about like how fucked are like military industry uh, whatever is it, it, it also kind of sort of gives this uh faux authenticity vibe to the project like oh if kojima knows all the trivia about field mice surely he also knows all the trivia about decommissioning nuclear warheads sure right but i i think like it's interesting because of course nukes in a lot of games are the ultimate weapon because you don't get more powerful in a, a shooter than dropping a nuke. It's fucking cool in Call of Duty multiplayer when you nuke. I hate to say it, but like it's cool to have a game be like, 
there this is the worst shit this should not be the end game of your kill count in a like in a shooter like i, I really respect this game coming out and be like i'm scared of nukes and and i think you know in a more in a more specific way than simply we are anti-nuclear or anti-war like i think i think one of the one of the strengths of this game that we've seen so far is it's not its stance is not just like simply war is bad and we shouldn't do it but like these are the ways wars operate you know like these black sites with like unlisted budgets that are like you know supervised by the president and whatever like that shit is it is more nitty-gritty than just i don't think we should do war and like that's why it feels right. it feels more substantial so uh have you guys been following the ufo news these days ish i listened to tom DeLong on steve-o's podcast talk about it and i feel like that was a, a probably enough research right <laughs> Maybe you might get the vibe I'm 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 so excited about here about how great it is to be a Metal Gear Solid fan reading stupid Metal Gear Solid stuff happening in the actual news right now 25 years after the fact. So okay, the latest uh uh uh, uh dump of UFO lore is that UFOs were were being crashed and recovered by the blackest of black projects in the U.S. military-industrial complex to reverse-engineer a nuclear weapon vehicle that can launch nukes using no propellant, bypassing radars, and all the appropriate nuclear non-proliferation start treaties as well. The latest dialogue uh, uh, is that... The, the, the government is working on flying saucer vehicles to do the same shit Metal Gear Solid Rex does in Metal Gear Solid 1. Launch a nuke that the radars can't detect. That, that's bad, right? It's crazy, crazy playing these games 25 years ago and, and reading stupid news stories of, of military disinformation campaigns that follow the exact same logic that uh, the science fiction stories from, from childhood were we're tapping into because because yeah the, the stuff about the military industrial complex and the the stories that we tell about it to make it feel okay has not gone away whatsoever it's uh you know it is it is that kind of conspiracy theory thing where it's like there are two kinds of conspiracy theories which are things that the u.s government has just explicitly admitted that they did do and uh blaming things on jews you know, and it's like, you just got to figure out which of those conspiracy theories you're talking about. Um, is there anything else that we just need to get out before we wrap up this first part? Here's something uh, that I want to say. Uh, when Snake says his arm hurts, uh, Naomi says that the nano machines will give him a shot. Snake says, uh, leave out the Benzedrine because it makes him too frisky. <laughs> so Snake doesn't want to get horny off of his nanomachine shot. It's a very serious situation. Now is not the time to 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 get horny, Snake. He's not he he, he doesn't he, need the he, help. He does seem easily distracted in the middle of his super duper secret important sneaking mission, much like the the intended male teenage audience, I'm sure. I like the snake sucks <laughs> I, i'm a fan of that like when you first start playing at a, as him he's like oh he's so cool and then by the time like you reach the psycho mantis fight it's like this dude is so fucking annoying he runs out of patience twice <laughs> right like not not in a way where it's like the game is poorly written in a like smart way as where meryl's like you're sad like you suck i i really like the kind of twist on snake as the protagonist of a video game and, and his response is is it like a frustrated impatient are you fucking if you knew the kind of shit i'd have to put up with you'd be too ah. yeah like i love 
I love that he just is the most annoying dude ever. He turns into an anti-hero with President Baker, with Otacon, and with Merrill. His patience for for normal civilians is is really, really low, and he's pissed off and doesn't want to be there in the first place. And that's why Kiefer Sutherland was the perfect pick to play him 20 years later. The only thing we're missing is just blind drunk, which is Kiefer Sutherland's main cultural legacy. We've all been there. Kojima doesn't always make the right calls. If he was actually a prophet, he might have picked a different voice actor. Uh, George, what was the thing that you needed to say before we wrapped up? That David Hayter got turned on to Metal Gear Solid and the character of Solid Snake after reading through the script, and he thought the game was going to be more important than than most other video games, if not pop art for pop art for male teenagers, because of that specific conversation with Arm Sex President Baker and how they get into the the nuclear waste. Um, issues how how it brushes with real world issues that would not go away for decades afterwards maybe david Hayter's the prophet because he was right uh david Hayter also came up with the voice on the day of because he thought snake was going to be younger and then he read the script and realized that he was old or at least retired he's not old snake yet but you know he's he's retired so so he like settled on a grislier but more energetic clint eastwood interpretation something like that Oh my god, if you guys watch if you guys watch Kurt Russell movies it ruins Metal Gear Solid. If you watch Escape oh, from sure, New York, yeah, Escape it ruins from Metal New York. Gear Solid. If you watch The Rock, it ruins Metal Gear Solid. Um Yeah, no, great game though. Love it. Uh <laughs> Timeless <laughs> Classic. Uh made made for an immature audience by an immature guy who was ripping off movies, but great, great, love it, awesome, perfect video game. Secret work of genius the whole time. What a profit. It's okay, Neil Druckmann would take that mantle. 15 years later and run with it, you know? So there we go. It all worked out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Everyone's catching up with Hideo Kojima already being kind of uh, uh, young at heart for his age. Yeah. He turned 60 a few days ago. What? And he looks good as hell. I want to know what supplements he's taken and <laughs> advertise them on my channel. He should he should let himself go just like a little gray. I think it would look better. I think he should just let a little gray into his hair. Do you think he's dyeing his hair? Or do you think that's natural? Yes, his his hair is jet black. <laughs> I think he's dyeing it. Uh, we will be finishing Metal Gear Solid uh, next week, uh, but George, you will not be there for that episode. Thank you so much for coming on, uh, lending us your expertise, uh, talking about this. You have a bunch of videos that are are very old at this point about Metal Gear Solid. Uh, but you also just released a video on Pentiment uh, that is cool and new and good. And you're doing an audiobook of the Iliad, which as we talked about at the beginning, if you love uh, homoerotic battlefield situations. Homoerotic. That's why I watch The Simpsons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And in, in the... The, the the style of uh, the 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 author himself. I did a one man audio drama where I was switching between all the voices, and it is shocking to find out how many archetypes uh, begin here. Not not that Kojima sure as hell didn't read the Iliad, but like inescapable pop culture archetypes that that is like the or piece of fiction for the the masculine combat power fantasy begins with the Iliad. I, I, I urge listeners to check it out. It is a very, very important media history lesson to be getting if you're if you're into to dumb military spy fiction video games for teenage boys. All right, and that's it. Uh, until next time, when we will be finishing Metal Gear Solid, my name is Jacob. 
been joined by Blake and George. Uh, you know, you've got the genes of a soldier, not a savior. Bye, everyone.